Welcome to the Leadership Now podcast with Dr. Aaron Rock, lead pastor of Harvest Bible Church in Windsor, Ontario. We talk about the nuts and bolts of theology, church life, cultural issues, pastoral leadership, ethics, and other relevant matters that will help you lead better now. I'm your guest host, Pastor Jay Pickering, and on today's show, we'll mostly discuss the new conversion therapy bill that unanimously passed in the Canadian Parliament just this week, and a recent article Aaron wrote on national disunity and how to remedy that. So first of all, Aaron, what is conversion therapy and why this bill? Well, this this bill is um, a bill that's sort of been floated in part of parliament for quite a while and uh, it's it's gone through some different names but in you know and for those of you that may be Americans we have these bills that are basically presented to the parliament and uh, our members of parliament vote on it we're divided up into different parties so this was put forward by the federal uh, liberal party of Canada and it's basically called a conversion therapy bill the current uh title they've given to this is Bill C-4. I think it used to be Bill C-6, maybe before that Bill C-8. Kind of lost track. (laughs) But uh, Bill C-4 is basically a law that's been voted in unanimously. So not not one single member of uh, federal parliament. I think there's 338 of them voted against this bill. Some didn't vote. But uh, it was basically the New Democrat Party, the Greens, the Libs, the supposed conservatives, they all voted in favor of this bill. And I thought it'd be an interesting topic for us to discuss because this kind of legislation, I think, is going to spill over into other Western nations, the Mm -hmm. USA, et cetera. So basically, the bill is a bill that is making it a criminal offense to try to, quote unquote, convert someone from, let's say, homosexuality to heterosexuality. Now, it's based upon the false premise that there's people out there, you know, being mean and nasty and, I don't know, hooking electrodes up to people, I guess, and mm-hmm. trying to force them to stop being homosexual. Right. But um, that's a farce. That's a lie because that doesn't happen in Canada. Nobody's out there beating people hooking up electric wires, forcing someone to be heterosexual who's not. But I want to read some excerpts out of this bill that uh, are pretty concerning. So there's a section in this bill that is entitled definition of conversion therapy. So people are asking, what, what does that even mean, conversion therapy? So it says that in this bill, and I quote, conversion therapy means a practice, treatment, or service designed to A, change a person's sexual orientation to heterosexual, B, change a person's gender identity to cisgender, C, change a person's gender expression so that it conforms to the sex assigned to the person at birth, D, repress or reduce non-heterosexual attraction or sexual behavior, Um, E, repress a person's non-cisgender gender identity, or F, repress or reduce a person's gender expression that does not conform to the sex assigned to the person at birth. Now, it doesn't talk about 
Like, what are we talking? It doesn't discuss the mode. So it's so wide open. The, the way this bill is written, if if you or I sit down as counselors mm-hmm. and someone comes in and says, you know, I'm a homosexual. Let's have a conversation. We have a conversation. We say, you know, God's plan is heterosexuality. And, you know, we believe that men are born men and women are born women. God created men and women in his image. This is the Genesis record that um, sexual intercourse is reserved for monogamous heterosexual unions between one man and one woman for life in a marital covenant, et cetera. Well, someone could come and slap the cuffs on us and toss us in jail as criminals for like five years. And this passed. So the way it works in Canada, of course, is it still has to go to the Senate, the Senate for approval for royal assent. Mm-hmm. There may be some modifications to it. I doubt it. And if there, there are modifications, I doubt they're going to redefine the whole definition of conversion therapy. So here's the thing. It's built on a false premise that people are somehow being forcibly manipulated into changing from uh, homosexual to heterosexual. That's a false premise. It's based upon the false allegation that, you know, heterosexual, let's say Christian counselors or parents who are trying to encourage their children or congregants to live according to God's plan are somehow hateful and abusive. And what it ultimately, I think, is going to be used for, it's a smokescreen to censor free speech to not speak out in any way, shape, or form against any sexual perversion or any sexual practice that's non-creational, non-biblical. And eventually, it will have an impact upon what pastors and clergymen are allowed to preach in their pulpits and what parents are allowed to say to their children, especially if you have a kid that goes to a public school that knows this stuff, maybe you don't have a good relationship with them. I would not be surprised this will be used against parents. Parents will be charged and fined when they won't call, you know, little Billy uh, Sally when he wants to be called Sally because even though he's a boy, he's decided to live his life as a girl. So that's kind of in a nutshell what conversion therapy is. And in Canada, the bill that was just passed in the, uh, the House of Parliament was called Bill C-4. Yeah. I, I just read through the preamble before our, our podcast, and it that alone, the preamble, just bothers me. It's disgusting. Yeah, just maybe let's just comment on that a little bit. So, um, you know, it it's interesting how in the pre, preamble it says, whereas conversion therapy causes harm to society. Yeah, yeah. That- so right there, it's it's... It's drawing upon um, pre-conclusions. Among other things, it's based on, and listen to this, and propagates myths and stereotypes about sexual orientation. So that means the Bible's a myth. Yeah, that's exactly what it's saying. It's saying the Bible's a myth. Gender identity and other gender expression, including, listen to this, including the myth that heterosexuality, cisgender, gender identity, and gender expression, so forth and so on, are to be preferred. Right. So it's it's amazing to me that um, so many Christians are silent, silent on this when in principle, it is declaring the word of God mm-hmm. that sets the standards for human sexual behavior to be a myth. Right, exactly. In principle, so obviously as Christians, as a church, we, we would reject the idea of torturing or otherwise forcing someone to conform to a biblical view of, of sexuality. 
But our, many of our opponents might try to say otherwise. Um, do you want to comment on that? Well, yeah, I, I, wa- I want to be clear. Like when, when we're opposed to this bill, which bans conversion therapy, what we're not saying is that we're in favor of a parent beating a child who says they're a different gender or, um, you know, a psychotherapist taking a homosexual man into room and again, injecting chemicals or electroshock electroshock therapy or these sorts of things. Like we're not going to force people using kinesthetic means, tangible means, physical means to conform to biblical creational patterns of human Mm -hmm. sexuality. Like, of course we're going to speak out against that, but the, the, what we need to understand or, or really encourage people to understand is that that's not happening. Like, I don't know, maybe there's some yeah. kook out in Nowheresville, Canada, who does this sort of thing, but this it's not happening. You don't, you don't create a bill that uh, is based upon a fallacy that this is happening in our country. It's not happening. Now, mm-hmm. if you want to take the word conversion therapy and just stretch it out and make it mean Oh, there's people out there definitely trying to convince homosexuals to be heterosexuals. Well, of course they are, and they should be. Uh, I'm going to encourage an adulterer to stop being an adulterer, a murderer to stop being a murderer, a liar to stop being a liar. Sure. Why yeah. are we so afraid to, to 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 say this? Homosexuality is a sin in Scripture. Cross dressing is a sin in Scripture. Man mm-hmm. should wear a woman's apparel. Um, murder is a sin in Scripture. Adultery is a sin in Scripture. The use of pornography is a sin in scripture, pornania. There's a lot of sins in scripture. What are we going to do? Start coming up with, um, you know, uh, bills that ban our ability to chastise adultery or lying Mm -hmm. or theft or any of these other things that humans might have a propensity towards. So we're not targeting, uh, you know, one sin to the exclusion of all others, but the word of God is the word of God. Yeah. And this bill, frankly, makes no difference in terms of what a faithful minister of the gospel or parents should be preaching and teaching to their congregants or children. Yeah. And it, it's interesting how unanimously it passed too. So yep. having done that, having passed unanimously, what does this really say about our political parties in Canada? Well, you know, this is interesting because a lot of people, we just had a federal election here a couple months ago, and a lot of people were like, well, we got to all vote conservative because they're our best choice. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a watershed bill in our nation, and not one single member of the Conservative Party of Canada opposed it. Hmm. So what it says is we have five liberal parties yeah. in power, just with different colors on their flags. So whether you vote orange, blue, red, green, or if you're in Quebec, light blue, whatever party you vote for, they're all lefties. Yeah. And I said this during the last election. Like the, the, we, what happens is the, the liberal parties tend to get in. They take the country to the left. The conservatives get in. They kind of tap the brake. Then the next election round, the libs take it to the left. The conservatives get in. They tap the brake. Then the next election cycle, the liberals get in. They take it to the left. And the conservatives tap the brake. But it's all moving to the left. Mm-hmm. It might move more quickly to the left yeah. under, let's say, NDP or liberal rule. But the conservative party is clearly a leftist party. It's mm-hmm. not to say there aren't some social conservatives within the party. There's actually quite a few. 
but none of them spoke out against this. Uh, even, um, you know, some of the members that the Christian community tends to look forward to as, you know, champions of biblical Christianity, either, you know, they just abstained. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's quite sad. We have a bunch of cowards, frankly, yeah. in um, the, the House of Commons. And without radical cultural and political revolution, this is only going to get worse. And it's only going to be a matter of time before a faithful pastor is thrown in the clink uh-huh. for preaching a sermon that offends these radical leftist ideologues. And I'm not expecting the vast majority of Christians to come to their defense at all. No. That's the sad indictment. I think most Christians are asleep at the wheel. Frankly, they don't even care about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are the major concerns then about this bill, Bill C-4? How, how will it be used then? Well, you know, if you, if you study history, you look at Hitler. Mm-hmm. People, people really bristle whenever you compare what's going on in modern culture to Hitler. But I think there are some comparables. So in Hitler's Germany, he convinced over several years the masses, the population to hate the Jews. Yeah. And to the point that there was, you know, incarcerations, concentration camps, death, penalties, running them out of the country, et et cetera. Well, in Justin Trudeau's Canada, he is very quickly convincing the masses that they should hate and despise Judeo-Christian values. Mm -hmm. So in the last several years, even prior to his particular regime, and I'll call it a regime because it's kind of what it feels like. It doesn't feel like governance, it feels like a regime. Uh, We've had the biblical creational definition of marriage redefined. We've had no-fault divorce laws. So basically that's just decimated biblical creational definitions of marriage. So you can uh, divorce and remarry whenever you want, whoever you want, however many times you want, and no one even blinks. There, I don't even know what the point of getting married is for folks that are uh, serial um, divorcees. Yeah. And then you have... uh, you know, men can marry men, women can marry women. There's there's discussions about, um, you know, three uh, dads raising one child. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's happening. So, you know, a little girl's adopted by three fathers. So on the birth certificate, there's room for however many parents you want. And, um, you know, like there's, they won't even talk about mother and father. It's like birthing person. So anyway, the point is, is the whole definition of marriage has been redefined definition of the family. When you say family, historically you think, okay, there must be a mom and dad and at least one child. Well, mm-hmm. now it's like, whatever. It yeah. doesn't matter what the configuration is, just a group of people living under the same roof. So we have that as examples of the uh, absolute denial of creational biblical ideals. This is also reflected in the conversion therapy bill. So all of these are moral issues. They're, they're issues like, so God has defined marriage, God has defined the family, God has defined human sexuality, economics, law, medicine, et cetera. And when someone comes in and says, no, 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 we're gonna usurp God's authority and we're gonna decide that what's right is wrong and wrong is right, they are actually playing the role of a God. Mm-hmm. So this is what we've been harping a lot in our show, the myth of, 
secularism, the myth of spiritual neutrality. Every nation has a God. In this country, it's the state. The state decides what's right and wrong, uh, when churches can open and close, what you can preach, what you can't preach, what parents can say, can't say, what teachers can teach, can't teach. And so you have um, the first concern out of Bill C-4 should be that it's indicative of a country that's sliding increasingly in the direction of abject hostility towards Judeo-Christian values. That will affect us. The rise of the state as God, the state is no longer just interested in building bridges and roads and providing medical treatments, but they're actually weighing in on matters of morality, historic, Christian, biblical. We just say creational because these standards existed before the Bible was ever written. Creational standards. Um, It's also robbing people of the opportunity for life change. Like there's some people genuinely they they don't want to they don't want to uh, remain in a homosexual lifestyle. They yeah. come for counsel. They come for for hope and healing, and it's going to put a lot of counselors in an awkward position. Where like I don't know, is, can I trust this person? Are they a plant? Like am I am I allowed to sort of speak truth into their life? Absolutely, it will. Yeah, I think it'll. I mean, you're a counselor. You counsel yeah. people all the time, and you know you're going to have to kind of have your antennas up. Yeah, in this very. I mean, this very topic has as a part of what I've mm-hmm. had to do in counseling. In fact, so, I, in fact, I ha- I brought along um, a, a, a a concerning statement from a group in Canada that targets uh, churches, okay, and and other groups. I'll, I'll 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 share that in a moment, but let me just touched on a couple more points. So my other concern is I think this is going to make pastors and counselors just scared to say anything. And then I believe it will be used against parents and churches who are just sharing God's truth, God's life giving, beautiful, wonderful, Uh awesome, grace filled truth that there is hope for healing from sin. So really what the government is doing is they're robbing people that that are seeking substantive life change from a lifestyle that's dishonorable and shameful. And they're just robbing people of the opportunity to have a conversation with, with other folks about that. Mm -hmm. So those are, those are some things that, uh, that concern me. Yeah. Yeah. It is concerning as, as a counselor, because it it doesn't say anything about them consenting even like, no, if this is what they want, you still have to hold your tongue. Yeah, what are we supposed to do? Bring someone into an office now and say, hey, before we give you any advice, can you sign off <laughs> and agree that anything we yeah. say that's biblical, you're okay with and aren't going to take us to court for? Yeah. Like it's absurd. Yeah. But now we have to respond as the church to this kind of thing. And, and so practically, how should we respond as the church? Yeah. So, okay. So I mentioned this group. So there's a group kind of did a hit piece on me and right. Joe Boot and others earlier <laughs> in the year called the, uh, ironically called the Canadian Anti-Hate Network. Oh yeah, Remember and if you go to their website, they actually are coaching people how to infiltrate groups that they call hate groups. So we would be considered a hate yeah. group because we preach God's truth, we mm-hmm. preach heteronormative theology, uh, a creational view of sexuality. That would be considered hate speech. When yeah. I say to someone, uh, "When a man has sex with another man, that's a sin." And it is a sin and it's been a sin since the beginning of time. And it's not going to change with this bill. It's a sin that can, that's considered hate speech. That's almost like saying you can't be black or you can't be Asian, right? Like they put it in that same category. So this group 
I looked at their website. Someone brought this to my attention. Listen to this. There's a section on their website that says, quote, we will not recruit individuals to infiltrate groups, but we will work with individuals already undertaking this necessary work. If you are infiltrating groups, you must be responsible for your own safety. You should not attempt this work without first learning deeply about the group over several months and taking a number of precautions, including protecting your identity. So in other words, yeah. posing as someone you're not. It goes on to say, we also recommend reading the anti-racist Canada blog to gain some insight into the methods used. Jay, we have police for that. Yeah. We have undercover detectives for that. We don't need a bunch of fake social justice warriors <laughs> slipping into churches with uh -huh. video cameras and perusing our online sermons or our blog posts or listening to Leadership Now yeah. to try to find dirt on us. But there's groups out there of nefarious people that are doing that. That like a lot of member a lot of members of these these radical leftists actually organize LGBTQ uh, groups. They are out for blood. Yeah, they're not just out to uh, give themselves the opportunity to practice whatever kind of sexual intercourse they want. They already have that. Nobody's nobody's peering through gay men's bedroom windows at night with flashlights. Uh, they're not doing that. It's it's ridiculous. In Canada, people can participate in these lifestyle choices without anybody even knowing. That's the reality of our country. So what are you trying to protect yourself from? It's uh -huh. not enough to have all the civil protections and legal protections. No, they want you to say, I agree, I uh -huh. endorse, I affirm your choice. And we can't do that as Christians. No. So you got groups like this that, that because so few people are willing to say those simple historical truths, and that's a shame by itself. You got groups like this that are out targeting folks like us. So one of the things very practically we're going to need to do is we're going to need to be be careful about not casting our pearls before swine, mm -hmm. being wise as serpents, harmless as doves, making sure we're not unnecessarily our, exposing ourselves to people who are going to litigate, attack. I mean, it's going to mm -hmm. happen, but we're not going to unnecessarily give them opportunities to do that. But fundamentally... How do we respond to this? We preach the word of God unapologetically. Amen. Yes. Without apology. Yeah. You know, I often say in my preaching, creatures don't apologize to other creatures for what the creator has said, period. And for those that might think, well, Christians shouldn't be weighing into politics, folks, is there any more blatant example of the fact that politics are weighing in on the church? Yep. Politics is, is largely ideological and theological. It's just bad theology, not good theology. So, as the politicians are out there donning the mantle of God, donning the mantle of high priests, determining what's right and wrong, pontificating on matters of public morality, the church, for the most part, is silent, mm -hmm. doing nothing because, well, we don't get involved in politics. Yeah. Folks, they're getting involved in your life. Yeah. You better get involved in their life. So if politicians would stay in their lane and just deal, you know, broadly with economic issues or, um, you know, again, bridge building, roads, parks, recreation, whatever, we wouldn't have any bones to pick with them about this. But in Justin Trudeau's Canada, okay, almost everything he says and does has a radical, anti-creational, anti-traditional, uh, anti-biblical bias to it. He clearly has an agenda to destroy the foundation of Western culture. 
which is generally speaking, a Christianized worldview of the value of life, morality, and purpose. Mm-hmm. And he's being quite successful at doing that because he has 337, I guess, other MPs that seem to be okay with this. Yeah. They're, they're more involved in conversion therapy than anything else. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, that's a good way of putting it. They're, they're converting people to this radical leftist yeah. agenda and then using law as their, their leverage to silence everyone else. Yeah. Like this man has no, I'm t- speaking about Mr. Trudeau. This man has no toleration for anyone that doesn't tolerate his viewpoint. Right. Which is classic of the, you know, you're not tolerant crowd. <laughs> uh, they're the most intolerant people yeah. out there. I'll have a debate. I'll have a conversation with anybody if I have time. Uh, who wants to discuss these issues. And if they're respectful, uh, we can have an ongoing conversation about it. But no, Justin Trudeau and Aaron O'Toole and these other fake conservatives, these other radical lefties, what what their goal is, is to, to appeal to the lowest common denominator, to uh, virtue signal, to score brownie points, and ultimately what they will do, they do, this will lead to the destruction of lives, mm-hmm. destruction of marriages, families, and people that are trying to find hope and healing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, on my watch, um, I will not bow or, I can mm-hmm. tell you this, I will not bow or buckle to this. This is going to make literally zero difference in my preaching this Sunday or the Sunday after it uh, passes the Senate. By the way, the bunch of us, the Sunday after this passes the Senate, we're going to preach on this subject publicly from our pulpits. <laughs> yeah. I know you well enough to know that's an absolute fact. So, and it, these issues are extremely divisive in our country, dividing, dividing people, dividing people in churches. Um, well, unfortunately, a lot of the people that are most active in, in the public discussion are the, the elitists, the supposed educated. Right segment of society and they've been educated in a system that's in radical support of this agenda. Yeah. And so this anti-creational agenda, and it's not going to stop there. So yeah. it's, it's only going to be, we're kind of just on the cusp of it now. It's only going to be a matter of time before literally all boundaries are pulled up. All the stakes are pulled up. The fences are torn down. Literally you can have sex with whoever you want, however you want, under mm-hmm. whatever conditions you want. There's already discussion of legalizing incest, pedophilia, mm-hmm. all this sort of thing. Uh, increasingly, people are getting soft and the kitty porn stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's almost like almost every day you hear someone who's been arrested for it. Oh, well, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a pastor, a former student of mine that was arrested for it recently up in the Hamilton area. So this is becoming increasingly common. And um, without God's law functioning as a dam to sort of hold back the tide, yeah. our nation is going to be flooded with this and it will take generations to rebuild from the rubble unless yeah. Jesus just comes back and the end of it all. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Well, bondage is being touted as freedom and, you know, so it, it's just awful to hear that kind of stuff, but shifting gears somewhat, um, you wrote an article this week on your uh, blog, yeah. Pursuit of Glory, um, calling upon officials to stop dividing our nation. Um, can you summarize for the listeners um, this article? Yeah, so I, I do have a blog. If you're not, um, if you haven't subscribed to it, 
it's super helpful if you do. It's pursuitofglory.org. And I do write occasional articles or have other folks write articles there just dealing with the kind of issues we do deal with in, in leadership now, but it's, it's in print form. So I wrote an article called Restoring National Unity and Trust in Public Health. And it's not a theological article. It's not a biblical treatise. It's, uh, it's written just for mm-hmm. average folks, politicians, health unit people to just think about how divisive their policies have been. So we're shifting gears now, how mm-hmm. divisive yeah. their policies have been with regard to the pandemic and lockdowns, et cetera. And I've, I just suggested in this article that no matter what your political leanings, ideological leanings are, or your creed, this should be of interest to all of us. And so what I'm doing is I'm just sort of exposing uh, in sort of a summary form nine ways that mm-hmm. I think our officials you know, need to restore unity and trust. And for those of you that haven't read the article, I thought maybe we could spend a bit of time. I'm not going to read the article to you, but I'm <laughs> summarizing. I just want, I want to touch down on these, these nine points that I think are necessary actions in order to restore some semblance of unity to our country and mm-hmm. to the provinces within which we live. So the first one was um, basically I made the comment, we need to stop censoring medical researchers who question the government narrative. That would be yeah. super helpful. Yes. It'd be super helpful for people who want to make choices, inform choices about vaccines or masks or whatever. Why are we only allowing one group of government paid experts mm-hmm. to do all the talking and anytime some guy in the back row with his PhD in immunology or vaccinology or whatever it might be, be sticks up his hand and says anything to the contrary. He's, he's threatened, he's shamed, he's bullied. People mm-hmm. set up fake accounts like they did with Byron Bridal trying to debunk him. That's not cool. And that yeah. doesn't exactly breed trust and unity. In the history of science, we've always benefited from diverse of, uh, divergent viewpoints. Yeah. Uh, secondly, real quick, requiring pharmaceutical companies to take full liability. Like, duh. Yeah. Why not? They're making Come. money. They're for profit. They're making money hand over fist. If politicians get up and constantly say, yeah, they're great, they're great, they're great, they're great. Well, then <laughs> why would you have a problem with them taking full responsibility for the effects of their vac- vaccines? Mm-hmm. That doesn't help people to want to get vaccinated. Third, they need to stop all these ridiculous coercive vaccination campaigns Mm -hmm. and just focus on good old-fashioned informed consent. That's how medicine, medical ethics has already, has always worked. I have a friend who's a physician and he says, you know, someone could literally be dying. They're in need of life-saving medical treatment, some sort of a blood transfusion. If they say, no, I do not want it. I can't say, you know, bring in the security guards. We're strapping them down. They're getting it. Right. That's their choice. You inform, they consent, or you inform and they say, buzz off mm-hmm. and end of story. But we have officials, oh, let's let's dress up the uh, vaccination center staff as superheroes to yeah. hopefully attract little children to come in. It's, it's childish, it's clownish, and it has to stop. It's actually kind of embarrassing. Like if I was a, a physician or a health professional, I would find that embarrassing that they're giving kids ice cream cones to get a medical treatment. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Uh, fourth, officials that have violated public health orders need to be charged because they have. It's a matter of public record. I've said this before. Or in fairness, they need to drop charges against citizens who've not complied. Right. 
But it infuriates people and angers and divides people when you're out there ticketing and finding protesters or pastors and mayors, police chiefs, premiers, prime ministers are breaking these same laws or have broken these same laws and and with absolute, pardon the pun, immunity, <laughs> right? That's a problem. That has to stop. Fifth, officials should relinquish all emergency powers. Let's restore our legislative processes provincially. It's already... It was never suspended federally, but provincially, we don't have a functional government. It's lobbyists manipulating and de deciding what the technocrats should say, which then upload that to the, the premier. I know. I know some political insiders. This is what they tell me. But we don't need these emergency orders. We're not in an emergency. No. We've been doing this for 20 months. <laughs> they have the vaccines. They have all the centers. They have the beds. They've expanded the ICUs. They, they know how to handle this stuff. There's no reason to have emergency orders in the province of Ontario and we need to restore our legislative assemblies so that if there's a, a public health policy that's suspending constitutional rights, like lockdowns, mm -hmm. like stay-at-home orders, this should be debated by the people that we elected to represent us in our provincial legislatures. I mean, this is I, – I, I think this should just be common sense. Why we vote. So why we vote? Of course, you're going to infuriate people and breed conspiracy theorists, and potentially push people towards more radical forms of of uh, civil disobedience. If you just allow the executive branch of government to have all the power, mm -hmm. and the people they voted voted into office know nothing. Yeah, I was talking to a member of provincial parliament who's on our team on our side, and I said, "What took you so long to get here?" And he basically said, "Well, it's it's sort of like you're in a fog." You know, you're, for months, you're in a fog. You're sort of, and I think our government is kind of in a fog, but they need to wake up. They need to get back on track and restore the legislative functions. Yeah. So even if the MPPs are voting on things that I don't like, at least I could say, well, at least they follow due process. Yeah. But right now there's so much suspicion because it's just the executive branch of provincial governments that are making all the decisions. And again, I know behind the scenes is not really even them. It's the lobbyists and the technocrats that are making the decisions. Mm -hmm. Six, these vaccine passports have to go away now. They're so ridiculous that people can't go into – so I have natural immunity. Uh, I've never been sick knowingly with COVID-19, but I have natural immunity, and my natural immunity is very high. Mm -hmm. I had to go for some general blood tests, you know, cholesterol and whatever with my physician. And I said, I might as well be tested for this too. So I tested as having very high antibodies. I've never been knowingly sick with COVID-19. Why am I not allowed in a restaurant? Yeah. Right? Like, I think most people probably have some sort of natural immunity, but there's this, there's this division between uh, uh, those that are vaxxed and those that aren't vaxxed. For what reason? I'm not a threat to them. They're not a threat to me. And then on top of that, we have this dehumanizing rhetoric. My my one son pointed this out. He said, Dad, you know, it's interesting how you have the government, even the prime minister, saying things like those anti-vaxxers. Yeah. Okay. Not people who don't want to be vaccinated by this vaccine, but anti-vaxxers. You take the word people out and it's a, more of a dehumanizing yeah. term. Or if you refer to someone as a conspiracy theorist, not a person, mm -hmm. you dehumanize them. This is the classic move of a tyrant where you dehumanize your opponent. You don't refer to them as people. Right. You give them labels. Yep. They're anti-vaxxers. They're conspiracy theorists. They're protesters. No, these are people. Yep. 
human beings that voted you into office. And you have a responsibility to represent them. If you don't, it's not going to go well for you long-term. Like you're going to have anarchy. You're going to have anger in the streets. I don't know. Like God forbid it gets violence, but it wouldn't surprise me. I'm actually kind of surprised it hasn't happened already. I'm not calling for it, but it's, it's the fact of the matter. When you, when you dehumanize people and you segregate people, just like when they did it in the South between the blacks and the whites, people put up with it for many generations, but then there's a boiling point and people have had enough. Uh, seventh, they need to provide citizens with peer-reviewed scientific data. We're, we're still waiting. We wrote a letter a long time ago, I guess well over a year ago. Hey, Mr. Health Unit, could you please give us some scientific data on the efficacy of cloth masks? Eh, they don't respond. Yeah. You're talking to them on the phone. Do you got it? No, we don't have it. Well, everyone's running around with masks. We've had people come up with numerous examples of how these masks don't even stop the large viral particles. But people are running around with masks. But let's say you are a pro-masker. So I'm not a pro-masker. I, I think that these masks are largely a matter of politicians doing something physical and tangible to make it look like they're trying to control a virus. I think there's a, a false security that people have in them. I think it's an unnecessary expense. Most of them are dirty by the time you put them on. Mm -hmm. Like enough's enough. But I'm respectful of someone that wants to wear a mask. If someone wants to wear a mask, have at it. Yeah. But if you actually study the science, which will never be presented to you by the health unit or politicians, it's on my side, not yours. Mm -hmm. Unless you're talking about N95 or actual medical masks. But I'm talking about the mask you wear that's made out of t-shirt material. Right. And you're running around with it on your face thinking that's going to help you. Yeah. Okay, have at it. You want to wear a mask? Wear a mask. You want to wear a hoodie? Wear a hoodie. You want to wear a hood? Well, I, don't, I don't care. Whatever you want to wear. Yeah. But when you ask the, the experts that are enforcing these things, give me some scientific peer-reviewed evidence from people without political liability. It's crickets mm -hmm. or anger, right? This is not helpful. This divides people. It actually diminishes science. So you often hear people say, oh, Aaron, you're anti-science. Actually, uh, no, you're anti-science because you're not providing me with the science to make an informed decision. You're just telling me what to do by coercing me and manipulating me into a decision so you can get reelected. So I'm not, a, I'm not into scientism. So even if there was, was proof that, um, you know, masks were helpful or efficacious for stopping the virus. Okay, fine. Let's wear masks. But I'm not into scientism. Like I would still balance that out with some of the other concerns, long-term concerns about humans being able to see each other's faces and living with risk and reward and all, all that sort of mm -hmm. stuff. But anyway, that's that's a, another conversation. A <laughs> couple more points. Um, they need to start publishing all known side effects. You ever watch those television commercials, Jay? I'm sure oh, you yeah. watch them all the yeah. time where it's like, hey, we got a new diabetes yeah. medication. Fine print. And or they're rolling out a new, you know, HIV medication or they're rolling out a new whatever the medication might be. And it's always like the person that's living the active lifestyle yeah. and they're, <laughs> you know, they're, the, the, the camera's cutting from one glorious vision of life to the next, to the next, to the next. And, and they're, they're trying to sell this product with generally with a name you can't even pronounce. Yeah. <laughs> But then you got this rapid voice that comes in and they're like, oh, by the way, this might cause heart attack, your legs to fall <laughs> off, your arms to fall off, your head to fall off, you know, your whatever it might be, right? So you got all this long list of side effects in every single pharmaceutical commercial mm -hmm. that I've ever seen 
has the list of side effects given to you. Not with COVID-19 commercials. No, it's just safe. Yeah. Well, let's suppose it is safe for the vast majority of people. Fine. Great. Go get it. Do your research. Go get it. But don't, don't diminish people's intelligence to the point that you won't even tell them, well, there could be some side effects and here's yeah. what they are. This will actually, I, I think more people would be likely to get vaccinated if they saw more honesty from the pharmaceutical companies and government and just sort of telling them the truth, truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth and then letting them make a decision. And then finally, and I'll end here, Enough is enough with the daily case numbers and publications of COVID deaths to the exclusion of all of their diseases mm-hmm. and fatalities. Yeah. So if you're going to come out and tell me every day X number of people died of COVID-19, why don't you augment that with, oh, by the way, so many people died of heart attack, cancer, suicide, opioid addictions, on and on and on. Like this incessant singular focus on COVID-19 deaths is actually bizarre. Yeah. It's driven by public interest, not science. So we need to start publishing. If you're going to publish this stuff all the time, publish mortality rates for all diseases. And by the way, include the deaths from lockdowns. Include the known suicides, opioid addictions, mental health concerns, deaths from delayed surgeries. I know of a physician that said, I've lost two patients to delayed surgeries. Mm -hmm. Why wasn't that reported in the Windsor Star or the CBC News, right? Oh, but if there was two COVID deaths, or one person gets COVID that goes to Harvest Bible Church. Well, then it's oh, yeah. you know front page news. Yeah. So th- this is what divides nations: the propaganda, the insensitivity, the lack of balance, the lack of honest reporting, the lack of science, the lack of full disclosure. All of that stuff has created a nation that is very deeply divided, and it's not going to go away. And all of these nine points that I discussed and wrote in my article could be fixed tomorrow. They're not long-term fixes. They could, yeah. Every one of these could be acted on tomorrow by our prime minister health unit and fixed. And I can guarantee you that would return a great deal of unity to our country and nation, not around some of these other issues like Bill, Bill C-4, but right. certainly around the government's response to the pandemic and lockdowns. Yeah. I feel like we covered a lot of, a lot of ground today. Um, yeah. Might be worth listening to the podcast twice. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe definitely go to pursuitofglory.org and, and read that article. Um, so thank you, Aaron, for, for this. And thank you for listening to another episode of Leadership Now with Dr. Aaron Rock. Please subscribe on all media platforms. You can also find us on the Fight, Laugh, Feast podcast app or on CJXC Canadian Gospel Radio, uh, cjxc.ca. So enjoy your day and know that you are loved. Mm